Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to week three of the League of Legends podcast. Took a week off last week because I was on vacation. Was in Myrtle. Funny enough, our fellow co-host came down to visit on Thursday. We golfed. We did not podcast because I did not bring my stuff down, nor did I want to sit for an hour and talk football through a microphone. But nonetheless, we're back week three. Uh, welcome back, Derek. Yeah, thanks. I had a lot of fun coming down. I'm a really horrendously bad golfer, but I still had fun golfing with you and just hanging out. And I think the the week off of the podcast was, was worth the break. Yeah, I mean, I did finish week two, the best week that I might have all year, and I didn't get to talk about it, but oh well. We're back to Steve being awful week three. Um, speaking of week three, uh, the Jacobs brothers once again suck at fantasy football. Right down there with our favorite newest member, Mike Lackman, who yet again still can't reach 100. If I'm looking back at his weeks, um, I think this is the second time. You got 111 week one, week two. Yep, sure is. Two weeks out of three under 100 points. We've talked about it before. Uh, his team is not good. Yeah, and uh, this week, see, at least week one, there was a bunch of people under 100. This week, all alone in the sub-100 club. So <laughs> and it's, it's still worse when you're the only one under 100. You're like, oh, you know, six out of the 12 people scored under 100. I'm in good company. But yeah, it definitely hurts more when you're in the basement alone. And still the only winless team as well. Yeah, somebody's got to hold that title, I guess. So and, somebody has to do it. And Chris, the only not losing team, undefeated team, I guess is the better term for it. Yeah, he has been having quite the start. I mean, it does help that Tua and Raheem Mostert both scored, I think, more points than Mike had the entire week. It's close, if if not over. I mean, he's also, I'm not going to say lucky to be undefeated, but he did win with 92 points week one and 120 points week two. He, his first two opponents did not score 100 points. So it definitely helps to, to be undefeated. But he does also have a really good team. So it's not just, actually, all three of his opponents scored under 100, so very impressive. But uh, <laughs> he he would have won regardless this week outside of, I think, playing me. So... This week was well-earned for sure. The last couple weeks were a little bit more uh, opponent-based than his team being high-quality, but and I think he, he definitely has a good team. I don't think anybody... Was anybody in jeopardy of losing Monday night? I mean, for him, you're saying, or just in the just league? Just the league. Yeah, I mean, Rob could have easily lost to oh, Paul. Yeah. I could have very easily lost to Vinny. I had a huge ground to make up on Monday night. But out, outside of those two, no. It was just those two matchups. Yeah, because Robbie had Puka and Rob mm-hmm. had Najee. So that was a big matchup. And then yours, Vinny made quite the run. Well, I had uh, Hertz, Swift, and Chase, and I was going in down 38, and he had Smith, Devonta Smith. So I genuinely thought I was doomed in that game because I had so much ground to make up. And even though Jamar Chase had 26 20. points, the Bengals still look like trash. You know what? I don't care how the Bengals look. As long as Jamar Chase is steamrolling, it makes no difference to me what the rest of the team looks like. I mean, and if we're talking about steamrolling, the Eagles' offensive line is helping Swift steamroll opponents. They definitely are, but Swift also looks like a new man out there. I don't know if it's just like the motivation of getting traded for a fourth-round pick out of Detroit and kind of feeling cast out there. Or what? But th- he is running with a fury I have not seen him run with in his whole career. And which Miles Sanders had the same exact offensive line and did not do what Swift is doing. Yeah, it's definitely it's the offensive line is definitely helping Swift be the best he's been in the NFL because he didn't have that in Detroit. But he's also showing that he is an extremely high quality back because other backs have had this line in front of them and did not look as good as he's been looking. I mean, no. even in even in the plays where they know the Eagles are going to run, the dude is just pounding eight yards out at a time. It's it's insane. We haven't had this since I think Shady was back there. Yeah, and honestly, it feels really good because after week one, 
I was almost ready to sell Swift for a bag of peanuts when he got one touch for like two yards or whatever it was. And, and I was like, I, I made a mistake <laughs> drafting this guy. I made a serious mistake. And now, you know, I'm glad I didn't panic and go with the old saying of week one is a liar. And then uh, you got to let it roll a few weeks after that before you start to press the panic button on people. Yeah, week three kind of was lopsided for most of the league. I mean, I lost by like 40. I mean, Matt lost by 22. You won by 20. Spencer won by 30. Chris won by a, a bajillion. We don't talk about that matchup. Rob's <laughs> is the only one that was close. Like, it was a very lopsided week or half the league. Yeah, I mean, mine looks more lopsided than it was. I won by almost 20 points, but going into halftime of Monday night, I was still losing. It was just the second half with Swift, Hurts, and especially Chase, because Chase scored, I think, 15 or 16 points in the second half. I, that's where it really started to separate, because I think even uh, right when the Eagles game ended, I was only winning by one or two points. So it was it was really close for me, and it just ended up that last, I think, like, the basically fourth quarter and half the third quarter, Chase dropped like 15 points, which finally gave me the, the big gap I was hoping for. But uh, it it was closer than the final score lets on. We'll just say that. The rest of them, though, yeah, it blowouts. They were over Sunday afternoon. Yeah, and going around the league, I mean, the Dolphins, I've never seen a fantasy outpouring and just shellacking that I watched on Sunday. And I don't think we'll ever see one again, honestly. I think that was a conglomeration of things that all just kind of came together to work out in a crazy Sunday that we are never, I don't think we're ever going to see 70 points dropped again in the modern NFL, but it just between the Broncos being absolute doo doo and missing several starters on defense and seeming like they have no will to even try to play. And then the dolphins obviously being extremely talented. I think the combination of those two things, it just was like a magical Sunday. And we're, we're not going to see that again. I mean, I'm hoping especially since I have Waddle and A-Chain, that they can keep something actually, going. Hopefully, not this week, but... I think it's actually um, A-Chan, from what I was hearing from the correct chan? pronunciation. A-Chan? Yeah. yeah I, I don't know. I mean, the point is, I think that that was a crazy Sunday. I'm glad that we all got to watch it, because that will probably never happen again. So it was cool to, to see. But I'm... Still not convinced on on him. I have him on my team. I'm going to keep him. I'm not 100% sure I'm even going to start him. I kind of want to see one more week of of use against an actually good defense because they're playing Buffalo this week and see how that goes, and then I'll kind of make my judgments from there. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of the other running back, um, there's a new king in yards per carry I, I saw. Minimum of 500 career carries. Raheem Mostert. 5.2 yards per carry now sits atop the NFL history leaderboard. Number two is Bo Jackson, 5.4 yards per carry. Jamal Charles with 5.38. Our dear old torn MCL, Nick Chubb, with 5.26. And the Gus Bus at 5.15. What a strange list of names. (laughs) It is strange, but we have a new king in yards per carry in the Super Bowl era. Yeah, and you, you said 5.2, but it's actually 5.42. But yeah. 5.42. Yeah. I think uh, it's one of those like wonky stats because there's not really like a it's good impressive. way to fully sum- It is extremely impressive, but it's like a weird summary. So like, I feel like Mostert has been able to, like when he was in San Francisco, he was able to come in against the defense when he was a little more tired because he wasn't the number one guy. And he's also just like a burner guy. And now in, in Miami... He gets the benefit of defenses having to sit deep because of Waddle and Hill. They can't play up because they're just going to get burned. And so he gets this very cushy scenario of having a good offense to work in and having two absolute burners for wide receivers. So he gets like a huge cushion at the line of scrimmage. But that's not to take anything away from him because he is honestly a really good back. He's super quick. He seems like a really nice guy and a good teammate. So... That I'm happy for him. I think it's cool. Is probably the fastest team in the NFL. Between him, Maybe one of the HM, fastest teams ever, Hill, and Waddle. I don't know who would win in a foot race. 
uh, no one's beaten the Dolphins as a unit. They're for sure the fastest team in the league and maybe one of the fastest teams of all time. But, I mean, they did that on purpose. Mike McDaniel talked about that, and they talked about that when they were building the roster, that they wanted to focus on speed because speed is something you can't teach, right? Like, you can have guys who run good routes and other stuff, but you can't just teach them to be faster. And and speed in the NFL, I wouldn't say it's king necessarily, but it kind of is because it changes the way the defense has to play against you. And it opens up opportunities you wouldn't have otherwise. So having those two guys who can just absolutely torch you deep, it changes the way the defense plays, which makes a whole bunch of stuff on offense work that may not work otherwise. So, And the next to them, two of the four games, I'm going to be very curious. They have the Bills, and the Bills defense right now is – they're starting Scorching. to come into their own. Um, and then three weeks after, you got the Eagles on Sunday night. Those two games, you're going to see how good the Dolphins really are. Yeah, I agree. Both on the road. I, I, I think that I think they've done things the way you're supposed to do it, though. You get a coach that wants to play a certain style, and then you get the GM to get players to play the style the coach wants to play. I feel like somehow a lot of NFL rosters just like, do not understand that concept. Like you have a quarterback or you have a coordinator or a coach who wants to run the team a certain way. And then they just do not get players that fit that system. And a lot of times players end up like looking a lot worse. And then you'll see them go to another team. You're like, I wonder why they were so bad on the other team, like, and then discarded. Um, but just speaking of building the team the correct way, speaking of bad teams, the Bengals, um, oh, I saw this stat 11 quarters. It took them to take a lead what is wrong with the Cincinnati team? I mean, I think it's a combination of things. They've traditionally been a really slow starting team. I think the last year Not they were 0-2. Not this slow, for sure. But Joe Burrow also did have the, the calf injury, which it makes things a little more difficult. He missed a lot of the preseason. I can't really fully explain it. Because even just watching the games, something just feels off, and I don't know what it is. I think some of it is... Burrow's injury for sure, and I think some of it's just maybe one of those things where when you've been really good, like they have the last couple of years going to the Super Bowl, going to the AFC Championship game, I feel like sometimes certain teams can have a hard time feeling motivated for regular season games. And I think now that they kind of sank in that hole a little bit, they found found something to go for. I, I do think they'll figure it out. They're honestly way too talented to not figure it out. But for sure, through three weeks, not the Bengals we thought we were going to get. No, not at all. Um, speaking of people on teams that people didn't expect them to be what they are right now, um, a little segment we're calling Panic or Not to Panic. Um, a couple of players we put together for a list. Um, the people we're panicking on and are very close to dropping. Um, we have, first off, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who I thought might be a breakout player. So far, he is not even on the list of people that are getting targets. He seems to be invisible. They're not even scheming for him, it seems. Yeah. he's. Uh, it's hard with rookies because no matter how good they look in college or what you hear coming out of training camp, I feel like you kind of just have to wait and see how it actually plays out in the games. Cause I feel like the same with like Quentin Johnston for the chargers. A lot of people I think thought he'd be more involved and some other players too. And it's just one of those things where with rookie Jameer Gibbs is another one with rookies. It's just tough because the NFL is just a very different game than college. And it just takes a while to get acclimated to all the small things you have to execute on. And so sometimes with these rookies, you're hoping for them to come out of the gate smoking hot, and sometimes it takes seven, eight, nine weeks, and it's hard to hold on to these guys that long when you see other players really popping off. But for me, this list, when we were kind of looking through it and putting it together, it wasn't so much like panicking in the sense of dropping these guys, but more panicking in the sense of these are guys I thought I'd be able to start on a weekly basis or at least on a you know a decent basis and now it's like I don't know if I can even start these players over other players I would have drafted six, eight rounds later or whatever. Yeah, and on the other end of the spectrum, not a rookie, Najee Harris, is a player that 
a lot of people thought that he would have a much better first two weeks than he did. And a lot of people think that Jalen Warren is going to take over this backfield. And I think he is going to as well. I mean, I did just trade for him, which some people in this league think is a dumb trade. And I've tried to explain to them um, why we did what we did, but some people still are not understanding, but that's neither here nor there. Um, But he is another one that just hasn't seemed to been getting it going slow old yeah i mean not really old he's like 25 but yeah he just doesn't have the same yeah he doesn't have the same burst as somebody like warren and he's playing in an offense that is not exactly high powered and it's it's one of those things where when you're playing on a team that's going to be in a lot of low scoring games which the steelers are going to be in because they have a great defense and they kind of have the a lot of slugfest games it makes it hard for someone who doesn't have the big play potential because even if he gets, say, 15 touches, if he's only getting like three or four yards per touch and maybe a couple catches in a low-scoring game where he might score a touchdown every two to three games at the most, you're going to have a lot of games where he's getting you know 13 to 15 touches for five points, six points, because he's not getting a lot of catches. He doesn't have the big plays. He doesn't score a lot of touchdowns because the Steelers don't score a lot of touchdowns. So in between those games where you finally get, you know, the 12 to 15 plus points, you're going to have a lot of five and six point games where it's just, it makes you question if he's a startable player. Yeah. I mean, the next three players we'll just lump together. They're all Jets. Yeah. Garrett Wills and Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook. I don't know if this is the Aaron Rodgers effect. Um, how much that has an effect, obviously, on Garrett Wilson, because Zach Wilson is dog water and is poo-poo. I mean, they did just sign Trevor Simeon. It's actually insane. I don't know if Trevor Simeon would be better than Zach Wilson, but anybody right now could probably be better than Zach Wilson because it's hard to watch him throw the ball. Yeah. For sure, I can say there's no one who could be worse than than Zach Wilson's been. I can't say if Simeon or somebody else to bring him will be better, oh, but Justin for Fields sure it cannot get worse. No, at least Justin Fields can just run. Like That's true. They just don't call run plays for him. Right. That's part of a coaching thing for him. But, yeah, sticking with the Jets, for sure for Garrett Wilson, it is 100% just that Zach Wilson is a cataclysmic drop-off compared to Aaron Rodgers. And I honestly think for Brees Hall and Delvin Cook, it goes along with that too. When you're playing defense and you have absolutely no fear whatsoever that the other team's quarterback can make a play, you can just load up against the run because there, you've got to be thinking, well, the only way we could possibly lose this is if we let Brees Hall and Delvin Cook run all over us. Let's bring those guys up there. We're going to force Zach Wilson to make plays. He will never, ever make a play, ever, except for like every game he has one random drive that goes really well, and then there's like eight other drives that are so bad you wonder how he's still in the NFL. It's kind of weird how he does that every single game. But yeah, it's just it's one of those things where which is why quarterbacks make the money that they make when you get a good quarterback. The NFL, you cannot function as a team with a quarterback that that's, that's that bad. It shuts the whole offense down. They can just line up the whole box against running backs. They have no fear. Then the receivers kind of lose faith. And yeah, if they don't change something at quarterback, it's the ship is sailing real quick for anyone on the Jets. It's like the exact opposite of the Dolphins. You want to be putting as many dolphins as your lineup as you can, and jets. You need to avoid like the bubonic plague. Seriously, um, the last player on this list, Brandon Cooks, someone that the Cowboys thought would be a deep threat, just hasn't really been able to get separation. Hasn't really been able to get the deep ball. Um, he's been the least productive of those receivers, even behind Michael Gallup. I was. Very surprised to see how much production he hasn't gotten this year from previous years that he's gotten. Yeah, it's one of those guys that people had a lot of hope for because in the past he's played with, let's be honest, pretty mediocre at best, if not subpar quarterbacks, Davis Mills, Tyrod Taylor, and these kind of guys, which no offense to them, but they're not exactly, you know, elite talents. I mean, and neither is Dak Prescott, but he's definitely better than those people you just listed. Right. Well, that was the thinking is that 
okay, he's been playing as basically the number one guy in his team. So he's getting the best coverage and he's playing with subpar quarterbacks. Now he's playing with an at least an average quarterback. And he's also got CeeDee Lamb and other guys on his team to take attention away. This should be a, a good spot for him to be able to really showcase what he can do. And honestly, he had great seasons in the past with those guys. So even if you just got what you got in the past, that would have been good enough. So I don't know what's going on with him in Dallas and why he's not getting involved at all. I don't know if it's a, a Brandon Cook's problem or if it's a communication thing with him and Dak or if Dak is just not good. I, I don't know. But something's not going right there so far. Seriously. Um, guys that we're holding for now, but kind of on the, hmm, don't really know what to do with you. Um, Josh Jacobs, top of this list. Um, somebody who has been injured in the past, but last year was top three. Insane. So you thought going into this year that you would get not as much production, but you would get half of it. And so far, um, you've got like minuscule production from Josh Jacobs. Yeah. And I mean, I, I know you got negative two yards against Buffalo. That's bad. It's almost unconceivably bad, but I feel like I can't remember who drafted him to be honest, but where you, where you got him in the draft. Poor Alex who has been injury (laughs) riddled. Yeah. It's a, it's one of the things where obviously him missing camp, it was going to kind of start off slow a little bit, but this has definitely been way slower than you would have hoped. And honestly, the more worrisome part is just how horrendous the Raiders have looked as a team. Like it'd be one thing if the Raiders were kind of humming, but Josh Jacobs wasn't quite in the groove yet. And it's like, "Uh, it'll come, you know, at least they're doing well, but they just look really bad. I I feel like McDaniels as a coach is not good or not McDaniels. Yeah. McDaniels. Yeah. Um, And then Garoppolo is not the guy whatsoever. Devontae Adams seems like he's ready to, get out of Vegas as soon as humanly possible. And so it, I mean, it just feels like the Jacobs, wheels are kind of coming off a little bit. 1.98 yards per carry through three weeks. Yeah. I mean, the line has not been good. Jimmy doesn't scare anybody, so they don't have to worry too much about the passing game. Who's and, their quarterback this week? Who, the Raiders? Yeah, because I think Jimmy G has a concussion. I don't even know who they're Oh, Brian is. Hoyer. Oh, boy. Real scary there. I mean... It's one of those where, uh, similar to the Zach Wilson thing, I'm not sure if he'll be better than Jimmy G, but I don't know if he can get that much worse at this point. So maybe uh, maybe he'll spark something in him. Who knows? Um, yeah, it's so disappointing. And continuing down the disappointing road, uh, King Henry on my squad. Um, don't really know what to think of him right now. Obviously drafted him with the second overall pick. So drafted him pretty high. Has gotten... Off to an okay start. Last week was very worrisome. Outsnapped by Tajay Spears for the second week in a row. Um, I don't know if he's lost a step. I don't know if when they're losing, they just kind of take him out of the game plan. I just don't know what to think of him. It's not panic time yet, but it's definitely worrisome. Yeah. Basically, this list for me is I haven't hit the panic button yet, but if whatever happened the last two weeks happens a third time in a row, then it's full panic mode. You know, because Especially you can kind of write him. off a few weeks. Right, exactly. And, well, that's a lot of this list is guys you drafted with, you know, pretty high picks that you were hoping to be week-in, week-out starters, and now you're like, I don't even know if I can play this guy. And especially for someone like Henry, who's a first-round pick, that hurts extra bad. And I, for him and the next guy on the list, which is Hopkins, both on the Titans there, I feel like this is – a team problem. I don't think that they've lost a step. I don't think that they've all of a sudden forgot how to play football and aren't good players anymore. I don't know what's going on in Tennessee. And I genuinely think that there's a real shot. If this goes on another week or two, that Tannehill's not going to be the starter anymore. So if anyone on that team has lost a step a little bit, or it's really fallen off, it's Tannehill. And so I don't know if, if Levis is going to be the guy to fix their problems, but both Henry and Hopkins. Henry's a first-round pick. Hopkins, I think, was fourth or fifth round. These are guys that you're hoping to be week-in, week-out starters. And, you know, your RB1, maybe a wide receiver two kind of guy. And they have just not had it at all. And I think 
they, you know, they could easily write the ship next week, but they're about one more under 10 point week away from full panic mode. Yeah. The next guy, I was kind of curious why he was put on the list deck. I mean, he's, he's been mid, which is where I have him. He's a middle of the road quarterback. He's not good. He's not bad. Has one interception on the year. Um, six points first week, bad, but didn't need it. Played the Giants. Then 23 and 17, middle of the road quarterback. So, surprised why you added him to this list. So, I put him on the list because I feel like he's another one of those guys that people were hoping, hey, I, I'm getting Dak. This is going to be a guy I can start every week. And I don't really have to worry too much about it. He's got a good team around him. The, the Cowboys look like they're turning things around and probably our top three NFC team, maybe top five or six in the entire NFL. And this is a guy I can start every single week and feel good about it. And so I put him on in this section of the list specifically because I would think after the pretty bad performance he had week one, and then especially this week going against the Cardinals that gave up 31 points in the second half to the Giants who are not good you would think that Dak would be able to go out there and uh, put a good game together. And for me, you know, maybe I'm different. I want my starting quarterbacks giving me at least 20 plus every single week. And so to have a guy where it's like, man, three weeks in, he's giving me a total of 46 points. You know, we're talking 15, 16 points a week from your starting quarterback. That's, that's not Green, what you're wanting to have. As Dennis Green once says, they are who we thought they were. Um, yeah. So... It's That's death. always the Cowboys. Yeah, not really anything surprising there. Last guy on the list, uh, Calvin Ridley. Whoopsie, I will knock my mic over. Um, got banged up a little last week. I think he's going to be okay. Started off super hot. Uh, 11 targets, 8 catches, 100 yards, touchdown. Great. Everyone was like, this guy is fantastic. And then, I don't know what happened. Kansas City... Eight, eight targets, two receptions. I don't know if it's a Trevor Lawrence accuracy problem. I haven't watched too much of the Jacksonville Jaguars besides what they've shown on the red zone because they're not too fun to watch. But he's definitely one that kind of has taken a little bit of a backpedal. Yeah, I think some of it is... I think some of the concern is just how hot he started. I think if he hadn't started on absolute fire in week one like that, it wouldn't be as concerning. But I know when Paul drafted Ridley, I believe it was Paul, you know, what he got week one was what he was hoping for. And so you had to be feeling really good about it. And now with the last two weeks of pretty poor performances, and then the Jaguars have some tough matchups coming up too. And Trevor Lawrence has looked kind of shaky. Really, the whole team has looked kind of shaky. It, it, it's, again, this list right here, especially this part of the list, is guys you were like, I'm going to start these guys every single week. And this is part of my like big plans for my team doing well. And all of a sudden now it's one of those things where, especially if it happens a third week in a row, you just have to start to wonder, is this a guy I can start every single week? Very true. Um, well, there you have it. Some guys that we think we're going to do better and some guys that just aren't cutting it. You might need to just drop their ass. Um, Brains of power rankings. I don't remember what week two power rankings were. Should have written them down to kind of compare. But here's our list. At number one, Chris, congrats. I don't think uh, we've had you at one yet, so we'll see how long you end up there. But you're 3-0, and so it was kind of hard to not put you at one. Number two, Mike Spencer. Uh, number three, Sean. That hurts to put him as top three, but I mean, I guess, again, can't really argue with production. Even though I wish that you were 0 3. <laughs> um, number four, Derek. Number five, Vinny. Rounding out the top six with Mr. Rube. Then the bottom six, Kirk, Paul, Matt, and Steve. God, the Jacobs brothers really putting in the work. And then Alex and our good friend, Mike Lackman. 0 3. So sorry. Yeah, if there's one thing we've been consistent on, it's Mr. Lackman, for sure, being the worst team in the league. And it feels uh, bad that we have to keep going over this every week, but it's when you it don't put up a hundred points, true. over and over, over and over, it's hard to 
move out of the toilet bowl spot. Yeah, and honestly, I'm rooting for him. I really hope that somehow things turn around. I'm not really sure how they'll turn around, but, you know, I've seen stranger things happen. But I feel like this is one of those times where he's got about one more week where he can kind of just sit back with what he has. And if it was me, if if I go 0-4, you really got to start making some moves. And sometimes they work out, and sometimes they don't. But if there's one thing that's for sure. If you go 0-4 and, and under 100 points every week, you got to do something. And, you know, I would rather go out losing and looking back and saying, you know, I made some goofy trades after I started 0-4. But I'd rather do that than, you know, just lose almost every single week. And be like, well, I didn't even do anything. I didn't try to move some guys and make some trades and see what I can make happen. So if I were him, I would try to make some moves this week. But if not this week, if you go under 100 again and you lose again, like it's full on, like, make some big moves, big changes, see what you can get done, spend a million dollars on whoever you need to and waiver wire, but you got to get something going. So far, the four new guys, top two and bottom two. Impressive. Yeah, so our prediction of no new guys in the playoffs is half right so far. Half right. Yeah. And honestly, and- like, as I know we had to put Chris first. He's the only undefeated team. Truthfully, I think there's about four teams at least that are better than him, even if you just look at nothing but you know points scored, like on a head-to-head matchup, I'd, there'd be three or four people I'd probably pick to beat him at a minimum. But just out of the respect of being three and zero and having a good week, especially this last week, I think he's earned it for for one week at least. That's right. Going to the weekly matchup, I think this is our last week without buys. I believe buys start week five, if I'm not mistaken. You are so enjoy your last week of. Not really having to do a lot of work moving around starting laps, but into the weekly preview we go with myself and Rob. Um, I have a new quarterback. We'll see how the new toy Much goes. improved. Much improved. Kirk Cousins versus Justin Herbert. Um, Probably still going to go Justin Herbert, so that's a win for Rob. Running backs, I have a problem. I have Gibbs, Montgomery, Stevenson, and Derrick Henry. I need to figure out which four I'm going to start. I have not a clue. It's kind of up in the air to see what David Montgomery does, but going against his Jamal Williams, or Javante Williams, Brian Robinson, I would give him the nod anyways, just based on previous production. So we're two for two there for good old Rob. Wide receivers, however, this is where I might have him. My Debo and Mike Evans versus his Amon Ra and Nico. I think I could get a slight edge there based on previous output, although that could be a wash. But I'm going to give myself a slight edge because I need some kind of competitive edge here. Um, Because tight ends, Andrews versus Goddard, obviously probably Andrews because that's Mark Andrews. Flex, his Puka Shells and DK versus my Derrick Henry and Ramondre Stevenson. Again, that's Brob. So, again, it's not looking good for your boy, but the last podcast when I talk garbage about my team, I won. So maybe it'll happen again. But right now I have Rob winning this. Yeah, I would agree. I do think it's fun that you guys have the number one and number two quarterbacks through three weeks with Cousins and Herbert. So that should be a a nice matchup. But I I think Cousins is actually going to win that one. Um, Just I don't think Carolina is very good and. Cousins in Minnesota have been throwing like 50 times a game. So even if it's just on pure volume alone, (laughs) I think that Cousins is going to come out on top in that matchup. Where I really think you're going to struggle, though, is is with your running backs. Mm -hmm. Cincinnati's defense actually looks really good, especially in the front. And I'm not convinced that Henry is going to suddenly start dropping 20 points a game again. losing, they usually don't play him. Right, and I think they could be behind in that game. Stevenson against Dallas. I think Dallas is going to have a point to prove after getting absolutely embarrassed. So I could see Stevenson struggling. Obviously, you have Gibbs and Montgomery. I don't see a world where you want to play both of those guys on a Thursday night. <laughs> I might have to. So, yeah. So that's where I'm really concerned for you is I think the running backs, you could just get so blown out of the water that it doesn't really matter what the rest of your roster does. There's some moves I do, that I do think Debo made. is nice. I do think Evans is nice. Especially because Nico Collins got to go against Pittsburgh, which does not give up a lot of points. I actually would give you more of a, a fair shot at tight end than I think you're giving yourself, just because 
I think Baltimore Cleveland is going to be an absolute like bloodbath in that game, and I don't I don't think it's going to be a lot of points. I think that's going to be a very very low scoring game. It's one of those where I could see both teams only scoring one touchdown each, and so as long as Andrews isn't the guy getting the touchdown, I think you'll be okay in that spot. But yeah, I I would definitely put Rob at a, at least a ten point advantage. Well, here's the hoping. Uh, go ahead. Let's talk about your matchup against uh, good old Matt. Yeah, so I'm on the, I think on the flip side of your matchup there, where I would give myself probably a a good ten to fifteen point advantage. I mean, Hertz and Daniel Jones. Yeah, I mean, I guess you never you never know what Daniel Jones is going to show up. I mean, we could get the four point Daniel Jones or the thirty five point Daniel Jones. So, I mean, there is always a chance. With with Danny Dimes, but Danny Dimes is also one in six or one in seven in primetime games. He's playing Monday night. I don't think Barkley's going to be back, so I have a feeling if he does not pick up a different quarterback, there could be a legitimate twenty point gap just at quarterback. I think Swift and Mixon. I would say that Swift should have the advantage there. Cook and Kamara. I don't know what to expect from Kamara. I would think that. He wouldn't come back and just go zooming right back to whatever uh, yeah. they did before. I don't think he gets but, a full workload, but who knows? But yes, yeah, so I would say I have an advantage with Cook there. Cook has been my, I wouldn't say biggest surprise, but the one I've been was hoping would give me this production, and he actually is doing it. So I'm very happy with with that pick. Um, Chase looks back. So my Chase Waddle Addison combo against his Thielen Olave Tutu and Hopkins. I feel really good about that. You Hawkinson. hope Waddle comes back, though. I do, but honestly, as goofy as it sounds, like if he doesn't come back, I have Gabe Davis, I have Gallup, I have uh, Chain all on my bench. So I feel like decently confident right. about if I have to. I mean, just same as this last week. I didn't have Waddle last week. Scored 164. Well, Darnell Mooney, you don't want to play him? Uh, not doing that again. <laughs> the pain is is happened enough already. But yeah, I feel really good about my wide receiver matchups. Honestly, Darren Waller and Hawkinson, like Hawkinson's number one tight end, Waller Hawkins is a, 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 self, a shell of his former self. So, and then obviously Eagles, Bills. I feel like Eagles are going to have an advantage going against Washington. We just saw what Buffalo did to them. But I also don't think Buffalo is going to do nothing for me against the division rival Dolphins. Yeah, they're not Denver. I, I would say... I would say I should win by a nice, comfortable margin, but obviously you never know. I just feel like there's no reason why I shouldn't win by a comfortable margin. I feel like I have an advantage in every single area except for defense. So there you go. I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Um, Kirk and Sean, this is going to be an intriguing matchup. Both teams are 2-1. and Both teams are coming off wins, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, quarterback wise, Lamar versus Deshaun. I give the edge of Lamar just based solely on running ability. Running backs, Kyron, literally, I just saw this, got 100% of the snaps last week, which, and still didn't really do. Yeah, he got 100% a of the them. snaps and had by far his worst game. So it's kind yeah, of an very, very strange. Although he got 95% of the snaps against San Fran, got 28. So who knows what Kyron Williams is going to do. Against the Colts, maybe he has a bounce back game. James Conner looked like old James Conner last week, which was but very... Going against the Niners this week. Yeah, that's that's going to be tough. ETN and Pollard, I would give the nod to Sean's running backs there. I'm just based solely on matchup. Um, wide receivers, though. This is a quite the stack lineup of C.D. Land, A.J. Brown versus Tyree Cohn, Christian Kirk. Just, hmm. Oh, Tyree Cohn could literally just put up 35, 40 by himself. So this is going to be, I this Buffalo, I think is. I highly doubt it. That's true. I think this is where the matchup is going to be won or lost with the wide receivers. The tight ends of Ferguson and Laporta, that's a wash. Michael Thomas, Lockett. I think that's a wash. And then Madison and Ford. Again, wash. don't really know what Ford's going to do. Um, he had a decent... He got salvaged by a touchdown last week. Other than that, yeah, he Hunt, didn't Hunt, really... He knows going to take more of the load this week, having a, week, a full week in practice now. Yeah, I think it's going to come down to the, the wide receiver matchups of CeeDee Lamb, A.J. Brown, Michael Thomas versus his Tyreek, Kirk, and Lockett. 
Whoever Honestly, wins the wire receiver matchup. This is going to be a matchup. super close matchup. I don't even know specifically where I think the matchup is going to come down to. I think it's interesting because they have very similar like feels for their teams this week. Their better receivers have more difficult matchups. Their running backs have kind of hard matchups. I think the Watson Jackson thing is going to be interesting because again, I think that Cleveland Baltimore game is going to be really low scoring. Oh, I didn't I realize they're playing against each those, other. Yeah, I don't think either of those guys are going to score a ton of points. So it's very interesting. I think this game is really going to come down to, as weird as it may sound, like just which one of them has a guy who pops off. Because I could see all of these guys possibly popping off, like guys like Hill and uh, Pollard, Etienne, or Lamb, Brown, Michael Thomas, Kyron Williams. They have a lot of guys where at the end of the week, I would not be shocked if they had a subpar week. And I also wouldn't be shocked if they popped off just because like some of the weird matchups they're having with going against teams like Baltimore, Cleveland, Buffalo, New England. So they have a lot and they have a lot of uh, tough matchups for the individual players. So I think I think this one's gonna be a really interesting matchup. I think it's gonna be really close and this might be the closest matchup of the week. I think you're very right. similar teams. But I would give as it's tough, but I think I actually would give Kirk the advantage this week. Just I think his players' matchups are just a touch better than than Sean's matchups are this week. Speaking of not so close matchup, go go ahead, Derek. Talk about Vinny and Alex. Yeah, I, I feel like this one's going to be another one similar to me and Matt, where obviously you never know what could happen. But I would give Vinny probably a fifteen to twenty point advantage just off the rip when you look at. Josh Allen over Prescott, especially Prescott playing New England. I feel like Allen, especially with how he played against the Jets, he's been a lot better in the last few weeks and a lot more concentrated, I think, on making the correct play and making the smart play. And he also traditionally has shown up huge in huge games. He sometimes kind of plays down a little bit in, in games where he feels like maybe the opponent's not as strong. So I feel like this could be Josh Allen's first like real pop-off game where he might go for three, four touchdowns and over 300 total yards. So I give him a pretty massive advantage over Prescott. Obviously, Kenneth Walker is a stud. I have no idea what Kirk is going to do with, I mean, not Kirk, uh, what AJ is going to do with running backs. I'm not sure why he's got Miller in there. I'm, I'm assuming that's just a hold for somebody else. But Jacobs has not looked good. I mean, his other running backs are Rashad Penny. Yes. Jones that's Chuba Hubbard, so. pretty doomed. Like I said, I, but there's there is people he can pick up on the waiver. So I was like, I don't know if that's just like a hold right now. Just well, he's trying to pick somebody else up. Uh, but I would give Kirk. I mean, uh, Vinny the quarterback edge. I would give him the running back edge. I would give him the wide receiver edge with Jefferson and Smith that's and McLaurin and Dell. Yeah, as opposed to Adams, who is who is good to be fair. Cooper, but going against Baltimore, which is going to be a tough matchup. Drake London and Sky Moore. I mean. I just don't see any spot where I don't see any spot where AJ has an advantage, and I also don't see any spot where he's Alex. even close. His name is Alex. Alex. Well, sorry, it says AJ on his thing, so I'm just I'm gonna call him Alex for now. But I just don't see anywhere Alex is even close to competing in any like individual area. So this is for me probably a a, a nice easy win for Vinny. Yeah, and for me, I mean, you said pretty much everything I was gonna say. I would honestly switch out Dak. With C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud has surprised me. Not only has he not thrown an interception, but they're always going to be down, which means he's going to be throwing a lot. And he has some good weapons. So honestly, I would not... It wouldn't be bad if he switched out Prescott and Stroud. Well, especially with Prescott going against New England. New England has a really good defense. That's going to be a tough game. I will say, I will push back slightly on the Houston's always going to be down. They were beating... The Jag by like 20 points this last week. But yeah. It's our former speaking, league mate Johnny's team. Yeah. Generally speaking, first win. Be losing. First win. It's all Johnny. I would all the credit goes to him for sure. <laughs> um next we have undefeated Chris versus our good old pal Paul, who had a awful week last week. A-W-F-U-L. Terrible. I don't know if he's going to bounce back this week either. Depends. 
The quarterback matchup, Trevor looked like doo-doo, but he is playing Atlanta. Tua against Buffalo, division matchup, but right now Miami looks really good. So I'd have to give them a nod there. Running backs, Paul's McCaffrey and Najee versus B. John and Mostert. Hmm. I mean, Chris McCaffrey could carry this whole foursome by himself, so it'd be hard for him to lose that. So I'll give... Especially against Arizona. Especially against Arizona. I wouldn't be surprised if Christian McCaffrey puts up 35. Yeah. And Najee Harry puts up 5. But the combo is 40 points, so... That's all you need. Take it in combo. The wide receivers for both teams are pretty poo-poo. Or at least inconsistent. That's true. Pickens and Judy for Chris and Ridley and DJ Moore. Not the most stellar lineup. Um, I've seen so, better. <laughs> the last matchup we saw better. So it's going to be hard to really pick a winner of these four. But I'm like, if I had to, I would go... Mm, I don't know. That's I'd probably go Paul Ridley. Needs a bounce back game, so I'll pick him. Well, and you got to think too. There's a decent shot that Ayuk comes back for Paul this week. He already practiced yesterday, so. And I would assume there's, Paul there's a is decent shot he'll have him back. Going to not play Taysom Hill at tight end when he has Tyler Higby on the bench. That seems. I hope not. That that lost him the week last week. He would have beat Rob if he had played Higby. Uh, let's see him make that mistake twice. I Taysom Hill is not a startable player in this league. He's not a startable player except for that one random game where he drops like 30 points. And then Paul's like, see, see, yeah, uh, that's no, why yeah, I have I, him. And then I see that you lose every other week. <laughs> <laughs> um, Flex's Mims had a, a good game last week. Um, but again, I don't think it's sustainable. So it's going to be very hard to kind of figure out what the flex is going to be there. Miles Sanders, Robert Woods for Chris against Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers is one of my favorite new players to watch. He's very explosive, and I have enjoyed watching him every week. So just based on that alone, I'm giving Paul the nod there. Um, Overall, though, I do think Chris goes 4-0. I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. That's what I think. Yeah, I don't have too much to add. The only the two major things I would say is, number one, I think if Brandon Ayuk comes back for Paul, that oh, I, I would forgot give he him has the, him. I would give him the advantage if he comes back because you're going to clearly put him in for Mims, and I think he's clearly a much more likely player to do well than Mims. So I think if, if Ayuk is back, I would give Paul the advantage with this one This could be Chris's first loss then. Could definitely be Chris's first loss. I w- the only thing I would say is that with Jacksonville and Atlanta playing in England, I believe, this week, if I'm not incorrect. That's true. 9.30. 9.30 eggs. And eggs. Set, your, set your alarm. There's always that risk with the travel and all the different stuff that sometimes these guys just do not do well. And with Lawrence already kind of having a shaky week, I think Paul's whole week is going to come down to can Lawrence and Ridley figure it out. And will so Paul I think wake he's up? Going to know really, right. Will, I think will he'll Paul know wake really up at early 630 on Sunday. to watch this no, game? No shot. He's waking up at 630 to watch that. <laughs> but when he wakes up in the morning and that game's already done for him at 930 in the morning, I think he's going to have a really good idea on how his matchup is going to go because I think he really, really needs Lawrence and Ridley this week. I have no faith in DJ Moore. I have I like Zay Flowers a lot, but again, I feel like that Cleveland Baltimore game is going to be very low scoring, probably a one touchdown, maximum two touchdowns per team type thing. So if Zay Flowers doesn't get the touchdown, I just I could see him having a little bit of a down week. So he's gonna he's basically he's got to have Lawrence Ridley and McCaffrey give him really good games if he wants to be able to keep up. I do think two is going to be down a little bit. I think Mostert's going to be down a little bit this week for for Chris. So. I think it's going to be a really close match. I would give Paul the advantage if Ayuk is back. If he's not back, I would give Chris the advantage. But I think it's going to be really close either way. Last matchup, Spencer and our good old friend Lackman. Uh, Spencer wins. Uh, That's the end of our podcast, everybody. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll see. I'm sorry, Mike. I had to do it. Uh, although you're not winning this week. Um, but <laughs> Mahomes against Goff, that's a win for Spencer. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire against newly acquired Jalen Warren. I don't know if he's playing Jalen Warren because we all don't know what Aaron Jones is going to do. I feel like if Aaron Jones plays, Warren will not play. So that's a question mark there. Whatever you play is still going to beat Brees Hall and Jarek McKinnon, so it doesn't matter. Diggs and Keenan Allen are going to blow the roof off of Garrett Wilson and T. Higgins. Just one of them could beat them. You'll win with your Kelsey. You'll get your one-position one win like you always do. Maybe you'll even get two with Pittman versus Sutton. Um, but other than that, you're going to lose by probably 20. Yeah, I don't think this one's going to be particularly close. But, I mean, we'll see. Warren and, and CEH are not exactly the power duo of running backs you'd want to have. Obviously, he could get Aaron Jones back, and that would change a lot. And honestly, I could see him switching in Godwin, too, for Evan Ingram, possibly. I just I don't love those 9.30 a.m. games myself. I just feel like it's too risky, but... I don't think he has as much to worry about as our good friend, Mr. Lackman, because he just, with having Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson, that's just so sad because they're just not going to do anything. Now, I do think Mahomes will struggle a little bit more because no matter how bad the Jets' offense is, their defense is absolutely elite. So I I don't think Mahomes is going to go out there like he did against the Bears and give you a million points. So I, I think he'll be a little closer to an average quarterback this week for his standards at least. But yeah, I, I would say this is probably another unfortunate week for, for Mr. Lackman. I think he's going to be sub 100 again. I think he'll probably lose by 20 plus with, with Allen Diggs, Mahomes, Kittle. I just, I do not see how he's going to keep up. No. Well, uh, that wraps it up for week three podcasts. Moving into week four, we will have our guest on, so we'll figure out who that is and we'll have them on at the end of the podcast. But I hope everyone has a great week. The accuracy challenge will be out probably Thursday. So everyone do that. And we will talk uh, Thursday night for football. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on again, Steve. Fun as always. <laughs>